I'm Emma G. Rose. I'm Shell Shearer. We're indie authors. And this is Indie Book Talk. Hello, and welcome back to Indie Book Talk. Today, we have Brian Pagel, who is the author of, this is a long one, ready? Translated from the original Shark, A Year of Words. I have questions. Brian, welcome to the show. Ooh, dog! Yay! Oh, sorry, you weren't supposed to hear the dog. (laughs) I was so late on the mute. Okay, so welcome, Brian. Thanks for having me. Thanks. I understand that this book is short stories, that you've written a story a day, and then each day there's one less word. Is that correct? Right. I started out with writing a 365-word story just on a, a random day in May 2014, And then each day after that, I tried to write a story that had one less word. As it turned out, there were a couple of days that I missed or doubled up on. But more or less 365 days later, I wrote a one-word story and the book was done. See, that just, first of all, people that can write tiny stories like that amaze me. I just can't even. (laughs) Please explain a one-word story. How, do, how does one... Can you tell us that without like... No, because that'd be a spoiler. We'd know the story. <laughs> you would, right. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I grappled with that. I mean, once I knew what I was doing and really started to think about it for about the whole year, I was kind of toying around with what, what would a one-word story or even a five-word story look like? And so for the whole year, I kind of thought about how the story would play out and how it would be a one-word story. And you know, like I, I tell people um, when they talk about the book, nothing keeps you from flipping ahead to read that one word story. Although I think if you do, the impact is still there. You can still see it's a story, but you really have to take in the whole book to get there. And and I think if you wait until you've read all the other stories and the notes that go with them, that one word story really, I think, hits better. So... Are these all interconnected stories? Some of them are. There ended up being some continuing stories and some interconnected stories. There are uh, a series of stories that are captioned or titled Pirates of the, followed by an ellipsis. And those follow two women who invent a sort of dimension hopping device and try and go lead different lives. And it causes all kinds of problems for them as they go along. And so each story along the way sort of follows along with what's happening and as they grapple with this idea that they're essentially creating new universes each time they go there. Cool. Series of stories that just began with the idea of the riddle from, I think it was Alice in Wonderland, why is a raven like a writing desk? And I had always heard that uh, Lewis Carroll had no answer to that riddle when he put it in Alice in Wonderland. So there's a three or four stories in there that sort of try to deal with that riddle and or why it has no answer and how people cope with that. So those kinds of things do recur throughout there. And then there are themes that come through, like there are a lot of robots, there are a lot of witches, there are a lot of cowboys. You know, so when I was trying to come up with a story idea, I'd think cowboys and then start writing about cowboys. Um, you know, just so they ended up being themes, even though I'm, I'm not really a cowboy guy. Like I'm far more robot and witches than I am cowboy, but cowboys are, are well represented in the book. I'd, don't even know how you'd get that across in under 300 words, but okay. <laughs> I know I'm just, I'm really 
I'm really impressed by this, even as a as a as a personal challenge. Never mind publishing it, but just mm-hmm. I've seen that challenge of you know the six word story, and I've tried my hand at it a few times, and it is very challenging to put enough information into such a tiny number of words that somebody can feel like they got a full story. So why why did you do this to yourself? <laughs> So it was, it was a combination. A long, long time ago in, say, freshman or sophomore year in high school, I had an English teacher who I really liked. Probably all writers have had an English teacher more that they really liked. But uh, he had said something once that I've never been able to verify. But he said that Ezra Pound, when he wanted to start writing poetry, had sat down and written a sonnet a day for a year. And then he had torn them all up and burned them, and, and no one was ever going to know about these sonnets. But he, his thinking allegedly was that if you're going to write free verse, you should first know how to write very, very strict verse. And a sonnet is probably one of the tougher ones. And I'd always kind of remember that. I thought that's really sort of an incredible thing, and just writing a sonnet a day. I mean, I've, I've written sonnets, and they're tough. I wouldn't show them to anyone necessarily. But uh, so one day I was just kind of looking for something to do. And as it turns out, the, the year that I started writing this was sort of a – a year in flux for me. I'm a lawyer during my day job. And I had begun becoming increasingly dissatisfied with the firm where I was a partner and with my partners. And so while I was sort of thinking about what to do with that and kind of struggling with some other things that were going on in our life, I wanted something to kind of distract me and give me something to do. And I'd been a writer for a long time, writing you know novels and short stories. And I tend to be very wordy, as you can tell from this answer, maybe. Um, <laughs> but I, so I, I thought it'd be a nice challenge to start writing shorter stories. And so for a while, I tried to write stories that were exactly 250 words, just as an exercise to like learn how to write shorter stories and things. And then I had this idea of of I could start writing stories once per day. And then I tried to decide like where to come up with that, like what, what kind of gimmick to do that and how to do that. And that's why I came up with the counting down. So it was partially an effort to distract me from some bigger issues that were going on in my life and partially an effort to Help me improve as a writer. When I first set out to do it, I didn't really have anything in mind with it. It wasn't necessarily going to be published along the way or anything. I just wanted to see if I could do it as an exercise. And then once it began to go, like once you're 15, 20, 30 days into it, mm-hmm. it sort of takes on a life of its own. And now you're thinking, well, I'm, I can't stop now. I have to keep going because I've done this. And that's, that's how it came about because I wanted to sort of craft my writing to be a, a little more focused at times. And how do you think it's helped you as a writer? Do you feel like you've really improved on the short story after that that year of doing the exercise? I think it helped me learn what is essential to a story and and what what point you're trying to get across, what the important parts of the story are. So that when you're writing a novel or another short story or anything, you're not just throwing everything in there and saying, this is everything I can think about this particular subject. It forces you more to think about what do I want to say? What is this about? Who's going to read this? What's the meat of this? And I think it really did help with that. I think it helped with word selection. Uh, it helped also learning to edit because I'm I'm not a good editor. I hate editing my stuff. But when you write a first draft of a story and it's 550 words and it needs to be 219, you you learn very quickly how to get rid of things that are not essential to the story, pare them down, shorten up dialogue, things like that. Do you have go-to things where if you if you did write, say, a 500-word story that needs to be 250, do you have something like, okay, the first thing I do is take out 
adverbs or something? Like, do you have a, a checklist for yourself or how do you approach it? I no, there's nothing that I automatically look to take out other than if you're using a lot of like these and that's or, or something like that. Like you can pull out sort of unnecessary filler words that you put in when you're just kind of rough drafting. But what I would do is I would read it through. And then if I had to cut it down, I'd start thinking, which parts of this could I pull out and have it still make sense the way I want it to make sense? Because sometimes you pull something out, it changes a person's experience of the story. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, there were a few where I couldn't narrow it down and still have it be the story I wanted to be. And so I'd have to start from scratch and write a completely different story that day. And that sort of taught you too about, or taught me at least, about concepts that aren't readily reducible to a very small amount of words. Yeah, some stories need to be books. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. There, are, there are long stories that deserve to be long stories, and there are short stories that wouldn't be better longer. And I think that's really something that I picked up on over the course of this year as well. Did you find that you had several ideas come out of this that you want to now expand upon? Uh, so the the dimension hopping women, I've always thought would actually make a, a much good longer story, like filling that in and kind of giving the backdrop to that. So I, I may at some point get around to writing that. But when I think about doing it, I also feel like it's almost, it, it might be taking something good and making it not good. Like I feel like there's a larger story there, but then it works so well for me as the short stories mm-hmm. that I, I don't know if I would like it, if I wrote it into a longer version, if that makes sense. I toy with those ideas, but I've I've not taken any of them and expanded them out in any way like that. Are you working on or thinking about anything else? If if those stories didn't trigger something, is there another book or another story in you that you are working on in the back of your mind? I have been working on, I started it before this and then put it aside for a while. And now I've gone back to it. It's, it's almost exactly the opposite of the shark stories. It's a, a longer story that is best described, I would say, as if X-Men, the X-Men superheroes were the characters in Les Miserables. Um, so it's a, that's, that's the reaction it gets from a lot of people. Um, that I just like, broke my brain. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just pictured the entire cast of X Men singing the song of Angry Men, and I, yes, yeah, it broke my it would brain. Be something uh, my... to behold, wouldn't it? That would be great. Um, I love it. So it's a it's a it's a slightly sort of alternate near future kind of thing in a world where people have superpowers and superhuman abilities, but they don't really do anything with them. They're not going out being superheroes necessarily. They're just living their lives. Some of them have their abilities play into their job. Most of them do not. And it all centers around a series of protests that take place on a given day, all engineered by this shadowy figure on the internet who's trying to reform society and gets people to protest to do it. But it turns out that there are many different forces at work in this world and many of them were happy to see this protest going on. And so it's harder to explain than that. But like, like I said, sort of based on the idea of Les Miserables and the uh, response to the conditions back in the French Revolution, and it kind of takes those concepts and translates it to a, it's a world that if you live in our world, you would recognize, but it's the worst possible version of our world, say 10 years mm-hmm. from now. And so I, I was really, I was kind of intrigued by a lot of the superhero stories coming out and the, the Marvels and things, but I've always liked the more, quirky superhero type stories like Soon I Will Be Invincible by Austin Grossman is one of my favorites. There's 
all those explosions weren't my fault. I don't know if you heard <laughs> that. Uh, and then it's follow-up. They promised me the gun wasn't loaded, where they have these sort of superheroes who fight against vampires and things. And they're, I, I liked it because they were off-brand. You know, they're not Iron Man and Superman. And so I wanted to toy with that concept, but it's, it's never really made sense to me that if you could run super fast or if you could turn yourself into a 10-story tall giant, you would go out and fight crime for free. You know, like I, I don't know how people would make that work as a lifestyle, and I don't know how it would work in society. I mean, and part of that is, is as a lawyer, I know <laughs> inherently all the troubles that would happen if, say, Batman did beat someone up and drop him off at the police station. Like, you, you just wouldn't get a conviction there. Right. So I wanted to kind of explore the idea of what if we had these abilities, but they were just like everything else. I mean, we, we walk by people every day who may be great athletes or really bright people, super smart people, and they don't all become Stephen Hawking or Michael Jordan. There's a lot of people out there who have the ability to be an absolutely brilliant physicist who, because of how their life went, they're working as a shipping clerk at Amazon. That doesn't make them any less brilliant. It just means that they're not able to use that. And so I, I wanted to explore that. And it's a much longer book, and it's not as focused as I'd like it right now because I'm still at the stage of just kind of writing and getting it on paper. Mm-hmm. I, I don't do an outline. I just sort of write until I reach where I think the story should go, and then I go back and try and shape it into something. You're so. a pantser. people. Yep, that <laughs> yes. is what we do. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, you write the book and then go, now I got to fix it. Right. <laughs> have you read, because I feel like this is the inverse of your the story that you're telling me, have you read Harrison Bergeron by Kurt Vonnegut? I've never read Harrison Bergeron. I've heard of it, and I've read a lot of Kurt Vonnegut. I'm actually trying to read his books in the order he wrote them, and I just finished Cat's Cradle. But I haven't read Harrison Bergeron. <laughs> Okay, it's a short story. Okay. I don't remember which collection it's in. Maybe the Armageddon one. Anyway, the point is you have to seek it out because the premise of the story is that everyone is equal. And they make people equal by like, if you're super strong, they'll tie weights to you so you are balanced out with the rest of society. If you're too attractive, they'll make you wear a mask, right? So it feels like it's somehow... A, a cousin or relation to this idea that you're presenting without being the same story in any way. And I, I love that. Yeah. I like that a lot. I, I, I like that concept. And I can see that being something Vonnegut would write. Yeah. His, his books are also like, they, they come across as quirky, but they're extremely sad and depressing afterwards. <laughs> like it's, just, it's just, you, you don't really realize it until you're done reading. Like you're reading it and you're like, it's, oh, it's funny. And you know, there's sad parts in there. You're thinking this is kind of funny and quirky and interesting, but then, the total effect is to just make you extremely sad and make you reflect on your life. And I remember when I first was exposed to Vonnegut, probably when I was about 19, I began reading. I read everything I could find by him for a summer. And then I had to stop for a while because I thought I needed therapy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like you read too much Kafka and you think you're... <laughs> right. Like you don't you start exist anymore. down the street and avoiding alleyways and suspecting everyone. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like... I once read the on an airplane and I when I by the time I landed I was like who am I what is this place someone tell me my name I think I've forgotten anyway sorry I completely once again completely distracted us from the point at hand do you you said you've written other books in the past and short stories have they all been like alternate universe kind of things or is that the theme you tend to go for Mostly I tend to do speculative fiction. Mm-hmm. I did write uh, one sort of literary novel that I published on my own, but that was more just 
a story I felt I wanted to tell. It wasn't really anything I felt compelled to write after that. So I, my other book, translated from the original Shark, was published by Golden Fleece Press, and they published my other first novel that was published by someone other than me. It's a book called Codes, in which the technology exists to create genetic clones of people without necessarily them knowing that a clone was made or the person knowing they were a clone. And so at the outset of the book, there's a few people who are working to help these clones understand who they are. The clones are called codes because of the genetic code. So there's a a small underground group that's trying to help codes discover who they are. And a few of the codes who become aware of who they are start working with them to try and figure out why this technology exists and who is abusing it. And so that was the kind of that that's along the lines of the stuff I've written. I've written a couple of horror stories uh, and another science fiction book that I, I self-published through Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, it's always speculative fiction. So how do you like the self-publishing versus working with the publisher? It's much, much better to work with a publisher. I, first of all, they do all the hard work of getting it printed and binded and typeset and things like that. But they're, the help for me was in getting the feedback and reviewing it with them and having both a, a editor to look at just the spelling and the grammar and the punctuation and things. Cause we all think we're good at that. And I know now I'm not particularly, um, <laughs> but they also help you in terms of discussing how the story goes and how it works and where to move things along and where to add more detail. I know with codes, one of the things was at the near the end, sort of revealing this stuff, there was a lot of talk and just a lot of dialogue. And one of the things the uh, editors had pointed out to me is you can break that up by just throwing some movement in there. So you have a character who does the speech about why they're so evil, but various points in their speech, they stand up or gesture to the window or walk around the desk and explain to me that what that does, it kind of opens it up and makes it more of a scene as opposed to just a diatribe. And so it was something I had never really thought about before, but it, it really was better when I worked it through with that. And they, so I liked that a lot. I liked that process a lot. It was a little different with Shark because there were changes that they had suggested where I could accomplish them, like a grammatical change to fix it up a little that didn't affect the story. I would do that. But we had some back and forth because some of the changes they wanted, I wanted to leave in the story and, and leave it that way because part of the process of writing and then reading this book is sort of seeing what it's like to do this day after day, to write a story day after day. And they're not all, I, you know, I said, they're not all great stories. I think they're all good, but there are stories that I look back now. I'm like, ah, you know, if I was going to just publish a book of short stories, I probably would edit that one out. But, and, you know, we had, a, there was a particular story. I won't say which one, but there was a particular story where the feeling was we should edit that one out and replace it with a different story with those number of words. You know, we debated that back and forth and I decided that, I wanted to leave that story in first because I liked it more than the editors liked it. They, they did not like it at all. I thought it was a better one. But also, I thought it wouldn't be honest about the process of the book because one of the things this book became with the stories is each day when I would write the story, I just started writing kind of little notes to myself, almost like a journal about you know where I'd come up with the idea and things I was thinking about and kind of keeping track. And as I was going on about 50, 60 days into it, it became sort of like a more of a journal or maybe talking to an unknown person somewhere so I was writing them letters. And so that's how I started treating it. And we left those notes in there. So it's sort of a a memoir by footnote almost. The notes are in the back of the book. You can read them after each story. They're tied to the story. Or you can read them later as a separate one. I think it works better if you kind of 
read a few of the stories and then go read a few of the notes because then you're not flipping back and forth so much, but you get an idea. And as you go through these notes, you'll get some that are just sort of, hey, here's how I came up with the idea of the story. But others were very much about what was going on in my life at that point. And at times, because there was a lot, as it went on, I ended up leaving my firm that year and it was quite a battle and there was a lot going on. And also, you know, my children were going through some things. The two youngest sons have autism and it was a particularly rough year for one of them. And so I'd sometimes just blow off steam writing about this and kind of put it in there. And then when I look back now, I can kind of see like the stories in conjunction with those notes, the stories become almost more autobiographical than the notes. Um, you know, they're not, they're not based on anything. They're not a real life thing or anything, but you can feel more of the emotions coming through in the story. So that's why I eventually said, I don't want to replace the story here because if you're reading through it and you're like, gosh, that story stunk. If you look at what was going People might think that I see you laughing, but people might think that. But if you look at what's going on in my life, you might be like, okay, I, you know, I see what's going on. I see where this story came from. I see why maybe this came out at that point. So, so, so for me, like even going back and rereading it, when it first came out, I reread it, and every now and then I pull it out and take a look at some stories. I like to see that kind of interplay between what I think were the really high points of the stories and what I think were some of the stories that just it's eleven o'clock at night. I got to get this done. I need to write a story every day. Here's a story. Hope it's good, you know, something like that. So, so the editors were more in this one were more constructive in helping make sure the stories were the right number of words and make sure we didn't have uh, real grammatical errors in that we could fix. But back to the original question from I think a hundred years ago, I like working with a publisher so much better. You know, there's someone to support you there, and there's someone to kind of give feedback to, and it gives you really more of a, a team effort. And the, the people at Golden Fleece are just great about that stuff. They've been extremely helpful to my writing. So I love this whole just writing as performance art. That's kind of what you've been doing. If there are other people who also love this and want more from the brain of Brian Pagel, because I think there's a lot in there, um, where can they find you on the internet? So I, I have an Instagram that's at Brian Pagel. It's B-R-I-A-N-E-P-A-G-E-L. If you're not already one of my, I think, 250 followers, you can go and join that. You're getting in while the getting's good. You're at the ground floor so far. I am on Twitter, but I don't do a lot on Twitter. I'm on there as, as at Brian Pagel again. I mostly don't go on there because I, I hate seeing other people's tweets. Like I, I think Twitter is just dumb. I think people tweet dumb stuff, and then I feel like if I tweet stuff, I'm just joining this dumb stuff tweet-a-thon. So I'm, I'm much more comfortable with Instagram and posting pictures and kind of talking about it there. I don't do any blogs or anything anymore because I just kind of lost the taste for that. I used to do that. You can find a lot of my old blogs. that I, uh, It's called Thinking the Lions. It's at blogspot.com. And I did that from about 2008, maybe till 2017. So there's a lot of kind of old nonsense on there that you could flick through. But mostly just Instagram. And then, of course, at Golden Fleece Press at their website, which is goldenfleecepress.com. I should have probably known that offhand, but I did just go check it to make sure. That's okay. We'll we'll put it in the comments so everybody has links that they need. There you go. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. This was super great. intrigued by this whole story. I kind of want to go check it out. Which I say at the end of almost every like we and she always yeah. does. She always checks it out. So <laughs> it, it's not just something she says. <laughs> there you go. Even if you're not into short stories, even if you're not into speculative fiction, I think this book. And, and this will really sound like kind of bragging, but I, I, I think it's a book like no other book. I'm not aware of another one out there. There are certainly great short story collections. Um, Lucy Corrin's 
100 apocalypses is great, anything like that. But this thing, I think just once you know the process through and you read the stories and you read the notes and, and kind of know what it went through, I haven't seen another book like it. I think I would welcome more authors trying to do something like this because I think it gets very real. The Brian Pagel method. Yes, exactly. Yes, there you go. Patent pending, right? You can Let's write see. a book about how they can write a book and make a million dollars. I don't know. Question mark <laughs> yeah. profit. Yeah. Yeah. Some, someday there'll be the making of translated from the original shark a year of words just to keep that title getting longer and longer <laughs> you know, until it cannot possibly fit on a website. <laughs> the commentary of the making of. The <laughs> okay. Before we get completely insane. Uh, thank you so much, Brian. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. Everybody go check out Brian's book because yeah, why wouldn't you? Exactly.